Hi, this is Shanahan on Literacy, the site where we believe that there is nothing more noble than to teach somebody to read. I'm your host, Tim Shanahan, and today we're going to explore the benefits of nonsense word tests and word identification tests. I received a letter uh, from an assistant school superintendent. She writes, we are moving toward explicit phonics instruction this year and are debating between using the nonsense words assessment or the decodable words assessment. Do you have thoughts about this? I've consulted with several people who I respect and opinions are varied and passionate. Which should we use, nonsense word tests or word ID tests? <laughs> well, my response was this, I, I feel your pain. Recently, a colleague asked me to make a similar recommendation to help figure out something about a grandchild's reading. I suggested the use of Dibble's nonsense word test, given the specific purpose and its easy availability. You'd have thought I recommended drowning kittens or banning the Barbie movie. People do get passionate about the strangest things. I try to save my passions for non-empirical questions. Go, Cubs, go. If we have data that will allow us to make a sound determination, I'd turn the heat down and try to follow the numbers. Remember, this is about trying to do what's best for kids. It's not an opportunity to vent your spleen or espouse your philosophy. There are two different kinds of tests used to determine student progress and decoding. Both kinds have a proven ability to evaluate how well students are learning their phonics, and both can predict later success with oral text reading fluency and reading comprehension. Word identification tests have been around for a long time, more than a 100 years. Nonsense word or pseudo-word tests are a newer development. They came about because researchers were concerned about the validity of word identification tests for determining the effectiveness of decoding instruction. Word ID tests often focus on irregular spellings of words like the, of, done. You know, the kinds of words that are inconsistent with the spelling patterns usually stressed in phonics. Such tests couldn't tell much about the effectiveness of phonics instruction, even word tests with more common spellings were suspect. With such tests, it was impossible to know if a student decoded a word or just remembered it from previous exposures. The solution to the problem that the researchers came up with was the creation of nonsense word or pseudo-word tests. Because the researcher and later the test designer constructs the words by mimicking English spelling patterns, there are no exceptional spellings, one-offs, accidents of morphological history, and the like. Whether teachers are leading the kids to memorize Dolch or Fry list words or just providing them with repeated exposure to certain words through their phonics instruction, it was certain that the students wouldn't have previously seen before letter combinations like D-O-P, L-A-N, or S-E-P-E. The idea was that a nonsense word measure would provide a purer look at how well students can decode, and their performance on such a test should reveal their decoding progress. As is often the case, scientists often may identify a real problem, but solving it may not be so easy. At first blush, the nonsense test appeared to be a, a, a 
terrific solution uh, to assessing decoding ability, perhaps more valid than the traditional word ID test. <laughs> Over time, their faults became evident. Often, if teachers know that their students are to be evaluated with nonsense words, they start teaching them to the students. This teaching is a waste of time for producing readers and renders useless the intended improvement in test design. Researchers and school district administrators must be vigilant in discouraging teachers from fraudulently enhancing their students' test performance. I don't think most teachers are intentionally trying to defraud. They just want to make sure their kids do well on the test, and teaching the specific test item seems logically to be the most direct route to that outcome. <laughs> Well-meaning, but unfortunate. A more important issue has to do with the nature of decoding. There's more to decoding than a pronouncing of letter patterns. Pseudo-word tests provide a useful assessment of that part of the process, but not of the rest. As Richard Vineski so aptly described the process, and I quote, a third function of phonics is to generate a pronunciation for a word. This function is problematic in that the imperfections in English orthography make such generation uncertain. If a word is totally unknown, the reader has little basis for deciding whether any particular pronunciation is correct or not. <laughs> That's right. Phonics is a tool for helping students to decode words and text, but that is a necessarily imperfect process due to the complexity of the English spelling system. Some experts throw up their hands ready to surrender. <laughs> for them, phonics would be useless because of the complexity of our spelling system. But as Vineski points out, Readers don't need to arrive at exact pronunciations. Reasonable approximations are good enough. And then the readers make adjustments and consider alternatives based on their knowledge of the English language. Nonsense tests, by their very design, can tell us whether students have managed to master particular spelling patterns. But they prevent students from any kind of self-evaluation and adjustment of pronunciation, key aspects of decoding. As such, these tests may do a good job of evaluating student learning from a decoding program, but they're unlikely to do equally well in predicting later reading achievement as measured by oral reading tests or reading comprehension tests. What do the research studies have to say about the usefulness of these measures? Well, for the most part, word identification tests and nonsense word reading tests tend to be interchangeable early on. There are copious amounts of validation data showing the value of both or either. They both work reasonably well. That is, they have high correlations with other reading tests. However, in direct comparisons in which students take both tests so that they can be evaluated head-to-head, -head, the word identification tests tend to do a bit better. For example, in one well-done study, it was found that word ID tests provided a clear index of reading growth. Early in first grade, the tests were indistinguishable, but by second semester, the word identification tests inched ahead. Similarly, in a very large study of first graders, this one with uh, 3,506 children and from 50 schools, it was reported that the nonsense word fluency tests did the best job of predicting end-of-year reading fluency and comprehension for most kids. And there are other studies of this with similar results. 
However, those results were not true for the higher achieving students. As kids reading advanced, leaving out those more advanced word identification skills that Vanesky noted becomes a real problem. In fact, by third grade, the correlations between nonsense test words and uh, regular word ID separate to a greater degree with the real word performance becoming clearly the best predictor of oral reading fluency for most kids. There was recently a meta-analysis of data showing that across many studies, word ID tends to have the best relationship with various reading outcomes. Now, in fairness, none of these differences are especially large, though they're often statistically significant. Nevertheless, there are authorities who suggest including both tests in the early reading inventories, and that makes a certain kind of sense since they tap a slightly different array of skills. I certainly have no objection uh, to the idea of ongoing monitoring of decoding skills with nonsense words alongside a word reading check to determine how well kids can read those most frequent words. If you were only to give one test, however, and your specific interest is monitoring phonics progress in grades K2, I'd go for a real word reading test, especially second semester of grade one or later, and with my highest achieving schools. Those tests should do a slightly better job revealing student progress towards success in reading. Just make sure, given your purpose, that the word ID test that you choose includes many words with regular spelling patterns. But remember, the differences here aren't large. In a different situation, for example, I'm a school psychologist and a student has been referred to me due to a concern about his or her phonics ability, I'd likely give you a different answer. You really can't go too far wrong in this case with either choice. This uh, blog entry uh, includes eight uh, references to the research that I I talked about in, in this entry. Thank you very much for listening. This is Tim Shanahan signing off. Uh, Thanks to Greg Johnson, our production engineer. Catch you next time, folks.